5: Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
3: Hey, on behalf P-M of Detroit, beats on the Hey, we want to present these buffs to our governor, Big hey. Gretsch. Throw the buffs on her face, because that's Big Gretsch. We ain't even about to stretch, we got Big Gretsch. You can find her in the press, under Big Grinch. real Fresh in a new dress, yeah, that's Big, Big Grinch. Grinch. great Throw the buffs on her face, because that's Big great. We ain't even about to stress. We got Big At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch and this bitch playing no role. Excuse all, all the cussing, that's just how I get my flow on. For real? If you want to leave the state, you can stay gone. But right now, Big Gretch said stay home. Your ass down. All that protesting was irrelevant. irrelevant. Big Gretch ain't trying to hear y'all or the president. How we gonna take orders from a non-resident? Talking about it safe, but he ain't coming with the evidence. Uh-oh! Big Gretsch got him shook now. When it's all over, you invited to the cookout. When it's all over, you deserve to get took out. Big Gretsch with the bucks on, on the lookout.
0: Summer in eternity. Time Sumner
1: Program.
6: Hey,
4: welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and uh, boy, this is a big book. Um, I guess this hour is. Um, Well, he's photographed more than a dozen assignments for National Geographic, specializing in portraiture of natural history uh, subjects. He's published six books and is a regular contributor to popular magazines and scientific uh, publications. His latest uh, collaboration, uh, again, with National Geographic, uh, called simply Octopus, Seahorse, Jellyfish by David Litschwager, who joins me by phone. David, uh, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning, thank you. Uh, now, the this is going to seem like a dumb question. Well, a lot of my questions are dumb because I'm kind of dumb. Um, but is there is there something that ties these particular three life forms together, an octopus, a seahorse, and a jellyfish. It sounds like it goes into a bar joke.
7: Well, I, you, know, they're, <laughs> they're, you know, they're creatures that we have, that I have, uh, an affection for. You know, and I'm, I am a product of where I come from, you know, uh, my community, The things that we notice the things that we care about Um, and so there I think there's you know people have a lot of affection for for the the strange and wonderful uh, diversity of life so you know octopus are they're you know they're mollusks Um, they're you know the closest relatives are snails Um, and that's pretty strange, and a seahorse, you know, a fish that, you know, they can't really swim very well, that's an odd duck, so to speak, and it, you know, jellyfish, they're, that's about as foreign and not mammal, that's, you know, that's about as far from a mammal as you can get, um, but we have this sort of fascination and affection for these creatures, so that's, you know... I'm subject to the same uh, curiosities and wonder that, you know, the rest of people are. So that that's what drew me to these.
4: Groups. I just wondered, David, if there was a, a trait that uh, they had in common that made them a natural grouping or if it was um, just the... Uh, uh, if there, you know what I mean. If there was just something, you know, if if they, um, if they hide well, if they, um, you know, have different forms of getting around, if they're unusual compared to other sea life, um, I, I just wondered if there was a trait that that got them on the, that got them in the book.
7: You know, I think that, I mean, octopus, they're, you know, masters of camouflage. Certainly seahorses are, too. Um, Jellyfish, some of them are, you know, absolutely masterful at at hiding themselves, you know, because they're uh, transparent, you know, and the the best way to hide out in the open is just to be see-through. So... Camouflage would be one thing, but, you know, drawn to, if you're a photographer, camouflage is it's difficult. <laughs> um, and that's part of why I've decided to, to try to show them in a sort of formal studio portrait, you know, method, um, where, you know, nobody gets to hide, so to speak. Um, the white background the really contrasty light that lets, you know, all of their shadows, all of the edges show. Um, so th- I don't think there's, a, you know, a common uh, character that drew me to them, um, other than, you know, within each group, I think there's a tremendous amount of diversity. Which in the part of seahorses, you know, that's a very small group of pipefish, which is, which is a very small group of fish in general. Um, so, you know, one wouldn't want to, you know, espouse the diversity of life within a group that, you know, contains less than fifty and, you know, less than fifty species. But, you know, within that group, there's there's huge diversity. So, even if you take the smallest piece of diversity you can find um, the smallest piece of biological diversity, you can find a, a huge range of, you know, niches that life has figured out how to, to use and exploit and occupy.
4: David, what turned your lens from uh, advertising and, and fashion photography to uh, uh, sea creatures?
7: Well, it wasn't certainly wasn't really a
4: plan. More with National Geographic Contributing Photographer David Litschwager, Straight Ahead.
7: Everybody's
1: doing a brand new dance now.
7: Hi, this is Mark Farner and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program.
5: Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show.
4: More with National Geographic contributing photographer David Litschwager. Straight
7: ahead. When I was really young, I, I worked on this project of um, photographing endangered species. Yeah. Which was kind of, it was a. Uh, a project in collaboration with another photographer named Susan Middleton. And we did this thing in collaboration with the Nature Conservancy. And I guess when I was about what was it, 26 years old or something, I was also uh, living in New York and I photographed all of these, you know, lipsticks and makeup bottles and stuff with like Revlon. <laughs> and And I I remember going to the newsstand and sort of thumbing through all the magazines. And, you know, because I had worked for Revlon and and other big fashion companies. And these are good gigs. They're they're great gigs. And it was really good for paying the rent. And I thumbed through all these magazines. And there was like, you know, I I counted in one month, there was like 35 pages of magazines that had pictures that I had something to do with in them. But then there was, at the same time, there was this other project that I was working on, Photographing Endangered Species, um, which was basically to help the Nature Conservancy raise money to buy Habitat. And those pictures were making into the media as well. And, you know, I, it, it, was, it was an interesting thing of, like, you know, where do you want to spend your time? Uh, and how do you wanna what, what is socially useful uh, and the pictures of say a uh, uh, you know a san joaquin antelope grand Squ- ground squirrel um had more lasting um value to me uh than say a picture of uh
4: well, it you know, it almost sounds, David, like like it was the difference between using your pictures to sell something or save something.
7: Yeah, but the thing is, because of the way I was trained, um, you know, the way you state it, yes, absolutely, it sounds great. Um, but the way I was trained, it's like there's not really much difference. You're just trying to, to make a picture that's, you know, worth looking at.
4: This new book, um, Octopus, Seahorse, Jellyfish, um, contains incredible images, uh, and they're reproduced very well, as is always the case with National Geographic. Um, But where do these creatures fit on the endangered spectrum? Are they still well, fairly plentiful, or are they endangered by climate change?
7: I would say, as a group, octopus are pretty resilient. Um, but some of them live in shallow water near the coast, um, which would be a habitat type that's highly subject to the the effects of uh, runoff and ocean vacation. Um, So I would not say that they're secure, um, but they're highly adaptable. And I'm just thumbing through the book here and just making sure I'm not... What do I think?
4: Well, you did, and and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, David, because you did the pictures and not necessarily the the uh, the commentary.
7: Well, I know that seahorses in general are highly under threat because they definitely live in coastal areas, and a lot of it is dependent upon seagrass beds, and that's that's a very um, Endangered
4: habitat type. This Um, may be an odd question, but the the only thing I've ever really known about seahorses that didn't come out of a cartoon is um, those little tins they used to send away for, and you get, you know, something that looked like freeze dried seahorses that you poured into a glass of water and watched them swim around. Is, is that a real thing? Or is there any connection between those, or were they just um, basically uh, a kid's toy that you added water to?
7: Oh, you mean sea monkeys? That kind yeah, of yeah. Yeah, I think those are, they, those are brine shrimp, um, and they do hatch and they're actually lovely, and I had some jellyfish in my house that I was, you know, while I was trying to photograph these things, and a way to keep the jellyfish alive for longer was to um, feed them, so you had to raise, you know, their live food, which was brine shrimp, Um, so I had this little setup to to (laughs) raise, you know, these little tiny crustaceans in order to... You know, let the, the uh, jellyfish thrive.
4: Well, this this goes back a, a lot of years, decades, in fact. Um, but I, I remember that those things were all the rage. Those sea monkeys.
7: Yeah, they're pretty small, though. Um, the advertising would sort of indicate that they were going to be these, you know. Spectacular creatures, but they end up, these little tiny, and certainly lovely, and if you want to get a magnifying glass out, you know, they are spectacular, um, these little tiny crustaceans. And they're, you know, they are definitely, you know, of a group that's, you know, uh, a magnificent spectacle of the food chain that makes it possible for, you know, the rest of, you know, If it weren't for brine shrimp, there would be no fish, basically. (laughs) And we know what that would probably mean.
4: Well, yeah. Um, I I was looking at some of the pictures in the book, David, which are are magnificent. Um, But some of them are, are... They almost look cellular. Do you know what I mean by that? Um
7: yeah, I, I, I do. I mean, I'm looking at this, I have it open to this page, which is jellyfish, and there's four things on the left-hand side, and there's one jellyfish on the right, and it's... I mean, I know, I, it's just a coincidence, I know exactly what you mean, but... there. I mean... A jellyfish, I mean, it has no brain. Some of them have eyes. None of them have ears. Um, I'm sure that they have a very complicated sense of touch with all of those tentacles and everything and how they sort of automatically react to whatever they account in the world. Um, but, you know, that's, it's such a different... Way of being, uh, I, you know, it's I mean it's it's wondrous, it's fascinating, and I have absolutely no idea how they.
4: How did you or capture or these they, you know, these images? You can't exactly uh, line them up and shoot them. Um, how, how do you how do you catch well, the images?
7: <laughs> I mean, some days because I basically make my living by eavesdropping on scientists. <laughs> um, they go out and they collect, and sometimes there are more specimens available than one can possibly ever make it through. Um, you know, the, uh, sometimes with uh, <clears throat> like with the jellyfish. Um, I I was, you know, back at the lab, and there were five people going out to collect specimens, and they would come back with hundreds of things that they were studying for, you know, on their own. And I would be able to sort of just cherry pick what they had, but what happens if they have 50 things that are all beautiful? Um and you know there's not enough hours in a day to be able to do everything that's in front of you <clears throat> so i have um, some days i get incredibly lucky but other days you know the weather's so bad they can't even put the net in the water so um some days are great some days you get lucky which means some days you don't
4: when you were um processing these these uh images for inclusion in the book, um, it, there was a determination made to show them primarily with white backgrounds. Is, is that simply because they show up
7: better? Um, I like... Basically, I am... I love... Natural history drawings from the time just before photography was invented, basically. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, sort of 18th century uh, French and English natural history drawings that are just the creature. Um, so I I that's I really like that and. I've done hundreds of creatures on a black background, um but I've done thousands of creatures on a white background, and I guess that I guess that's what I prefer.
4: Do you have to do um any any special lighting and do you shoot them in a studio or do you go into the water to shoot them? I suppose you've done both.
7: I've done both, but you know I would imagine. Ninety-five percent of it is, you know, in collaboration with scientists or aquarists in in public aquariums and such. In that environment, where you can sort of set up uh, a studio, so to speak, you know, for yeah to to, to make a portrait. Um, and because I like being able to get. You know, like jellyfish, a lot of their, you know, their principal form of camouflage is to be transparent, um, or because their way of making a living is to be, you know, you know, we're, what are we, 80% water? I mean, I think a jellyfish is probably 99% water, or at least some of them, um, and so to get, to be able to see them and, and to see how they're made, um, I use uh, uh, a set of condenser lenses that makes it possible to see um, these, you know, the parts of their tissue that are usually completely transparent. So it's like the, th- the thing in a, in a compound microscope that makes a scientist be able to see the edges of a cell. I use that same, uh, optical, not really processed that, the, that character of focusing light really carefully, um, through a subject, um, to show all of its edges. Um, that's that's what I use to, to make everything show.
4: Like most photographers these days, um, are you shooting digitally?
7: I do. And I think I, I love digital photography because um, how immediate it is. You get to check and make sure you're doing... Um, doing something, you know, with the technique that's, that's working. And if you're not, then you immediately know it and you can change it. You can fix it. And with a digital camera, if you take 50 pictures, you can throw away 49 of them and you haven't really wasted anything other than your time. Um, whereas, you know, the old situation with film and processing... You know, you didn't really want to be you, – you, you couldn't afford to have such a heavy finger as I have. <laughs> so I know that <laughs> – I take a lot of pictures. Um, I think I, I counted it uh, while I was trying to explain myself and write the introduction for this uh, book. And I added up – it was it's like 135,000 exposures wow. to make this collection of pictures. And you know, with film, th- that would be a problem just from a, a use of resources—not um, just money, but you know, what it takes to process a roll of film is is not—it's not free, and it's also not free what it takes to make a digital camera. Um,
4: but but I think it would be really frustrating to. Uh, come out of the dark room and realize that, you know, after spending a couple of days shooting images that you ended up with nothing.
7: Yeah, that would be really a problem um, because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean it, it has ha- happened. I hope it doesn't happen too often. <laughs> yeah. um, well, that,
4: that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, um, not likely to happen when you're shooting digitally for the reasons you suggest, David. That you you know you you can um, you can sort of monitor your progress in real time.
7: Yeah, I find that to be incredibly useful. Um, but I was also trained in a time when you know when there was no digital available, and so you know there there were things that you could check on and a certain amount of preparation that you did in it in advance to make sure that you didn't spend, you know, days and days on something and then come away with nothing that was useful. Um, But I do remember, you know, there was a particular picture that I wanted, that I had this sort of vision of, um, and it was, uh, you know, back during the sort of endangered species time, and it was a picture of a California condor. And it you know, it took it took a week to get that picture. Um but mostly it was because of sitting in a blind waiting for the bird to, you know, come to a certain place in its enclosure. Um and then you're on their time. And but now that I think of it, you know, there's lots of pictures in, in this book of octopus, seahorse jellyfish that um that's succeed because I learned to be patient. Um, So that's good. But sometimes I do know that, you know, there is such a thing as being too patient.
4: (laughs) How do you get your assignments? How is it determined what you'll be working on? Do you decide that, or are there editors from different scientific publications and National Geographic that, that contact you and say, we'd like to have you do this?
7: I would I think maybe a quarter of the things I do are because somebody somebody else has an idea and they can and they think that I can help do that. Um but I think most of it is I I run across something in the world that I think that somebody else might be interested in and then I can engage um, National Geographic or a museum or, or gallery or some other group in so I mean I would love to have you know uh, more collaboration um, the last couple of years have been a little slow um, but <laughs> for, it, not just that's that's for exactly,
4: you David <laughs> the last couple of years have been pretty slow for a lot of people
7: yeah, no, I, I realize that. and But it did, you know, the last couple of years is what made making this book possible. So uh, that was a uh, tremendous blessing.
4: Interesting. What's uh, what's next for you, David?
7: Well, I'm working on another story with National Geographic about... Um, oh, cool. The ...diversity of the deep sea. Um, things that live at the edge of, you know, in the... The place where photosynthesis fails, you know, when the light becomes less than 1% of what is at the surface. So that, that's a really interesting place where yeah, where the biology of the deep sea changes radically. Um, so that, that's really... Now, do you have to
4: dive to do that?
7: Well, the place where that happens is, you know, about 1,000 feet. So that's much too deep to dive. So you have to, I'm depending on scientists who study uh, the twilight zone, and they use um, submersibles and remotely operated, and they use nets. Um, So that's, you know, it's a place where people can't exist. Um, Even with the technology of scuba and such, it's it's too deep for that.
4: Well, it sounds uh, like an interesting project. Can't wait to see it. David, I want to thank you for spending this time with uh, me and the listeners this morning. Um, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website you can share?
7: I do. It's um, com. That's L I I T T S C H W A G E R and it's a modest thing, but there's there's a there's a nice little range of things there with some little captions. Um, and there's also a place where I, I I've done a lot of little sort of biological surveys of one form or another and I made these Things of the last project that I did, which are tutorials for um, young people about how to do their own biological surveys, and that website is onecubicfoot.com. No spaces, just just spell it out onecubicfoot.com. And yeah, those are that would be an interesting thing for somebody who's interested in biological diversity.
4: Well, David, thanks again, and uh, keep up the good work.
7: I appreciate it, and have a great day. Okay, take care.
4: That was uh, David Litschwager. He is uh, a uh, photographer. Um, His newest project with uh, National Geographic is uh, very simply called uh, octopus, seahorse, jellyfish from National Geographic. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Old
1: Radio
0: for a new generation Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay
7: dangerous.
0: Darkwing Duck out.
5: East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported.
3: Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490.
6: Cloth or disposable, paint or wallpaper, yellow or green?
5: Babies come with lots of decisions. Crib or bassinet, rocker or glider. So when it comes to protection against diseases, go with the safest, most effective choice, vaccination. To protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases like measles, meningitis and whooping cough. That's why nearly all parents choose it. Stroller or carriage, basketball or soccer. So get all the recommended vaccinations for your baby by age two. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. Justin or Justine. Immunizations help give you the power to protect your baby. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hey, why are we stopping? We're going to be late for the show. Mom, Dad, we got to get gas.
3: You're not here, you're not. This place is charging an arm and a leg.
5: Look, these days price swings of 30 or 40 cents per gallon aren't unusual, but when a gas station charges a price way above the price at similar stations, that could be gas gouging. Michigan gas stations sell the correct quality and quantity of gas most of the time. But when a station does try to illegally take advantage of drivers, my office is here to stop them.
3: Stop Attorney Generaling! We got a concert to
5: get to! I hope she doesn't sit next to us. Nark. This is Attorney General Dana Nussel. If you have information about potential gas gouging, call my office or go online at michigan.gov ag. Put those away, we're at a gas station!
7: This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
0: Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
2: beautiful Aragon Ballroom on Lick Pier at the beautiful Santa Monica Beach of California. And we've been getting lots of cards and letters from you folks out there in the television land. And we surely do thank you for uh, for uh For all the cards and the letters uh, from you folks uh, out there in the television land. Um, uh, Starting us off tonight is our trio, the Lemon Sisters. And girls, uh, what are you going to sing?
5: We're going to sing, thank you for all those cards and letters, you folks out there in television land. Land. Land.
2: And after appropriate number, uh, one and two and...
1: Thank you for all those cards and letters. You folks in television land, we wonder where this television land is. Could it be a couple of miles from where? Disney
2: Machine. Turn off just a moment, I'm some hold it just a moment, please. Um, turn off the bubble machine. Please turn off the bubble. Uh, thank you, Lemon sisters, for as loud and fall. And now on the way to the show. Here's that man with a deep, deep voice, Larry Looper. Uh, Larry, what are you going to sing for us, Larry?
6: I'm going to sing "Thank You for All Those Cards and Letters." I'm sorry,
2: about. that number has been taken.
6: Well, I'll sing the funny old hills then.
2: Good. Come on, the tune. the... Two.
6: Hold
2: it just a moment. Uh, the bubbles don't come till the end of the program. Uh, turn off the bubbles. Uh, thank you, Larry. Er- thank you, Larry Looper, for that wonderful number. And now I would like to play a short instrumental medley based on the names of girls. Come uh, and two, and.
4: No.
1: No.
2: Now, here's that young man about town from the brass section, Stony Stone Dwell, to sing, Please. Please, bend your little ears to my please. What is the matter with that machine? Here, hit it with your horn. Hit it. Here, stick your mouthpiece in it there. A waterfall, a waterfall, love. And now on with the show Here's our champagne lady, Alice Lean Alice is gonna sing Moonlight and the Shadows One, and two, and... Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in 25 years My popping finger is caught in my cheek Will you give me a hand there, Alice? Here, pull my arm No, the other arm just yeah, pull it. Pull it. That's it. Oh, no, The whole ballroom is lathering up with bubbles. And now I can't see the cameras. Here, let me set the accordion down on the stage. And I'll try and fix that. Bear with us, folks. Just a moment, please. Gee, the time is running out, and we haven't even played the polka. Wait a minute, boys. I didn't mean. Hold it, Alice. Don't polka on my accordion. Gee, Dad, it was a Wurlitzer. Hit the theme, boys. And so it's good night from all the champagne. Where's the cameras? There's so many bubbles I can't. And so, friends, we help. The whole ballroom is shoving off the sea.
4: Sure is a clear night, ain't it, Captain?
2: Yep, matey. These are the kind of nights when the sea plays tricks on you.
4: Yeah. I recollect
2: one night off Singapore. Tricks, uh... I see. Like that mirage off the port bow now. What? See it there? Kind of bubbly looking in the moonlight.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gee, if I didn't know better, I'd say it looks like the Aragon Ballroom. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Dee 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 That's a catchy chanty you're humming
3: there, Captain.
2: What is it? Oh, I don't know, just keeps running through my head. <laughs> Let's go below and catch a little shut eye. Okay. Elfa. Elp. Wanna fall wanna fall. Turn off the bubble machine. Elfa.
3: My face, I stay at home, shelter in place, social distance, don't go to work. I wear a mask and gloves, I stay away from church. Should I sneeze I do it in my elbow Or up my sleeve Six feet apart That is the room And I pray for the day The kids can go back to school I'm washing like a raccoon with OCD. I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, BBS, and the BBC. I've taken down all my mirrors and I'm sick of what I see. Two more weeks of quarantine will be the death of me. Trip to the grocery store to buy teepee and a few things more, but what I get there all I can find is sixteen honey buns and some mad dog wine. I'm washing my hands Like a raccoon with OCD I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix PBS and the BBC I've taken down all my mirrors Cause I'm sick of what I see Yeah, two more weeks of this quarantine of me, the death of me. You know, they say this is war. But we don't have to storm Omaha Beach or Job Hill. We just lay here on the couch and watch TV. Whew, I'd rather volunteer for a high-risk commando raid to parachute into Wuhan and find that little fellow that ordered that mat soup. I know I'm talking out of my head, saying crazy stuff over and over like, Yes, dear. Yes, dear. At breakfast, I meant to say, honey, please pass me the pepper. What slipped out was, you crazy woman, you've ruined my life. <laughs> of course, I immediately apologized. As <laughs> soon as I regained consciousness.
1: <laughs>
6: Alexander Zonjic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.